Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Han Talks First. This is the Book of Boba Fett review. We are on Chapter 2, discussing what went down this week on Disney+. And I'm so glad you could join us today. If you're watching live, feel free to share your thoughts. I'll interact with everyone today, and it's going to be a great episode. Lots to talk about, so let's get started. Who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. So I originally wasn't planning on doing an episode this week on the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 2. Not because I didn't like it, but because I've had kind of a crazy, hectic week. And I was just not not feeling like jumping online and talking about this uh, this week. However, I have received so much support in the fat in the past two days on the youtube channel from people and i just thought wow you know what it kind of put me in a better mood a better headspace i'm just gonna go ahead and do it i'm gonna talk about boba fett so that's why we're here um and more specifically the i think we've reached the subscriber rate has gone up like crazy <laughs> thank you guys so much yesterday the channel had nine hundred and like seven subs and today, let's take a look and see how many we have right now. 958. That's 58. We basically went up 58 subs in like three days. That is, that makes me so happy. And we're almost at 100,000 views on the YouTube channel. What? That blows my mind. We've been doing YouTube for about a year. And uh, I, you know, I've always, my goal was always to get to a, a thousand subs and just to uh kind of build up this channel and create some more content and it looks like we're getting there i'm, I'm really happy about it and um for those of you that don't know we, we are a podcast primarily and you can find it anywhere on apple on stitcher amazon spotify wherever you want to listen to podcasts it's there um but now that the youtube channel is growing more we'll start doing more videos which i'm excited about but anyway we're here today to talk about Chapter two of the book of Boba Fett. Now, I posted a video when chapter one came out. I did like a really quick reaction video the night of. And I was saying how excited I was about the show. I thought it was great. I really loved what was happening so far. And it looks like my Darksaber just decided to turn off. <laughs> anyway, I really liked the show. And I posted this reaction video saying that I thought this first episode of Boba Fett was better than the first episode of The Mandalorian. And I started getting a lot of negative feedback for that. And people were taking that comment as I thought the first episode of Boba Fett was way better than the entire series of The Mandalorian. No, that's not what I meant. I was strictly speaking on pilot episodes. And I do still think the pilot episode of Boba Fett is better than the pilot episode of Mandalorian. Before we really dive into this second second chapter of the book, I want to kind of address something I've been seeing a lot of comments of. And more specifically, I'm going to talk about a, a content creator who I'm actually a really big fan of. So I'm not just crap talking on them. So I don't want people to think that. But I watch a channel called The John Campia Show. And the host, John Campia, obviously, is um, was talking about the book of Boba Fett and how he was really disappointed with chapter one. He did say that chapter two was a significant step up, but he still has a bunch of complaints about the show. 
and was saying that Mandalorian's pilot was actually better than Book of Boba Fett. I, of course, disagree. And a part of the you know, commonality I see in his comments on the show is that there was no spectacle or wow factor in it. And while that's true, I think a lot of fans, judging by what I've seen so far online, are when they watch something Star Wars, we've now been conditioned to try and look for the Easter eggs, the cameos, the wow factor, something that's going to blow our minds. And to be fair, Robert Rodriguez, the producer and director of the series, did say that the show was going to blow our minds and exceed expectations. So the expectation was set up by the creators themselves. But I think a healthy way to approach watching the Book of Boba Fett or anything from Star Wars in the future is to kind of not expect those things. We did have a cameo in Chapter 2, which was really exciting. By the way, this is a spoiler conversation, so if you uh, don't want any spoilers, um, now's your time to leave. What's up, Year Kicks? Good to see you, my friend. I haven't seen you in a while. I hope you're doing well, man. Um, but yeah, uh, there is definitely still wow factor in the series, and I think we're going to get more as it progresses. But for me, I think why I enjoy it so much is I had zero expectation for the show. I at this point in my life, when I watch movies, especially Star Wars or television, I don't like to set up my expectation because of how much I've been disappointed in the past. Um, but anyway, chapter two, it was great. We're going to kind of brush on everything today. Again, if you're new here and you want to see more, subscribe and never miss an episode. I've recently been uploading deleted scenes from Star Wars movies, like stuff that is, hasn't been seen before. And they're, they're doing pretty well. So if you want to see more of that, I'm going to upload some more later. But anyway, one thing I want to point out real quick is the my favorite part of this episode where we got a little bit of Boba Fett <laughs> showing us his flirting skills when he was demonstrating how to ride the uh, the, the speeder. And he was like, like riding a bantha. <laughs> that cracked me up. And the face he made when he did it was so hilarious. And I don't know. I just thought it was so freaking funny. And the memes that are coming out of it just also make me so happy. Uh, I'm going to play a little video clip just so you guys don't have to look at my ugly mug while I talk about this. But anyway, I first want to mention that, you know, this heavily has influence from other films such as Dances with Wolves or uh, I had other examples in my head and now I can't think of them. But it was very apparent watching this, and it re reminds me of the callback to when John Favreau said, "We want to. We don't want to make things that are inspired by Star Wars. We want to make Star Wars that is inspired by the things that inspired the original Star Wars." And I think it's working. I think it definitely works here. And I think some of the problems we've seen in the past with things like Rogue One and uh, maybe some of the movies was there was too much reliance on nostalgia or reliance on easter eggs or inspired by the original star wars things like that and now we're getting into more of things that inspired the original star wars and this episode was clearly from dances with wolves now i myself have never seen the movie dances with wolves but i've heard about it i hear the comparisons all the time and it's very apparent in this in this chapter especially with the parts with the tuscan raiders the sand peeps and i love this photo here because it kind of shows it looks like they're about to drop the next greatest Tatooine Rhapsody album. <laughs> uh, also the dogs, the little Tatooine 
sand people dogs. They look really good. You know, I think it's CGI, but it could also be puppetry and it just looks really good. But anyway, the dynamic between Boba Fett and the Tusken Raiders is amazing. And I really love it. One, because we get to see more of the Tusken culture. We finally get to learn more about these sand people and that they're all they're not all just savages and people of the land. I love that it's kind of taking a like Pocahontas. That was one of the examples I had when I was when I was watching this. Uh, It's very reminiscent of Pocahontas. You know, an outsider comes, learns the ways of the native people and, you know, earns their respect. And then at some point, I believe, is going to end up protecting them or recruiting them. And I definitely think we're going to see, judging by what we've seen set up so far in the show, I think there's going to be a war towards the end of this this series. I think there's going to be a huge war between different factions of, of leaders who want to rule the crime syndicate of Tatooine. I think it's been I think it's being set up very clearly between the twins, which we saw in this episode for the first time, and also between of course, Boba Fett, the, maybe the mayor or anyone else who wants to lay claim to leadership and operations of Moss Espa on Tatooine. And I think what's going to happen, what has been set up is that Tus- uh, Boba Fett is going to recruit the Tusken Raiders to come and fight for him. Maybe they will be his minions at Jabba's palace, which is now Boba's palace, but who knows? Because he doesn't have an army yet. That's one thing Jabba had. He had an army. He had a band. He had <laughs> he had a rancor. Can we talk about the rancor for a second? Because that was a little disappointing. Maybe not disappointing, but confusing. So obviously, at the end of the first chapter, he had told Fennec to capture one of those. Uh, what are they called? The um, the black key organization, something like that, to capture one of them alive so he can interrogate them. So he could find out who was trying to kill him, of course. And gets this one guy, and then he tries to get information out of him, and he threatens him with the Rancor, and he drops him in the pit. Nostalgia, it's like Return of the Jedi. Oh my god, the gate opens up, and he gives him the information. Uh, Go see the mayor. And then there's no Rancor behind the gate. Now, I once that scene started, I was like, there's no way there's a Rancor down there. Because we, it would have been addressed already. It seems like he's laid home in this palace for a little while. No one's been feeding the Rancor. He's probably dead if he is in there. But there was no Rancor. So I was a little disappointed. I do think at some point we are getting a Rancor. Boba might buy one, you know, or, or, or capture one in the wild. That would be really cool. And it'd be cool to see a different species of Rancor as well. Because we do know after the Vader Immortal game came out, that VR game, which is fantastic. You guys should play it, by the way. And I also did a review on the channel if you want to watch some gameplay. But we do know from that game that there are different species of the Rancor or subspecies of the Rancor species. So there's like some that are they're based on whatever climate or environment they, they grow up in and they evolve in. So it'd be cool to see another species. However, it might just be a Tatooine Rancor, but who knows? But that was a little bit disappointing because I really wanted to see a Rancor. And I was curious if they were going to do all CGI or go back to some miniature puppetry, which would be pretty amazing. 
but I think we'll see one in the future. I don't think there's anything to worry about there. Um, but anyway, once they find the information, they go and they see the mayor. I think this is a photo of that particular moment here. So they go to see the mayor, which we finally got revealed in this episode, who was really cool. It's, of course, one of the hammerhead species, which I've been dying to see again. You know, when I was a kid and I had the action figures, this hammerhead, which I think was just called the hammerhead in the early toy boxings, he was one of my favorite characters. And I just loved the look of it, the style, and it was one of my favorite moments from A New Hope. But it was cool to see this species return again. And I, I cannot remember the name of it, but we're just going to go with Hammerhead for now. I thought the mayor was really cool. You know, I loved that he had an alien voice and it was processed through a translator and it came out as basic. I thought that was great. I find that to be a little bit more intimidating and a little bit more realistic when it comes to aliens in this big galaxy filled with different languages and protocols and things like that. So that was that was pretty great. But one interesting thing about this moment was that the mayor said it was not him who sent this guard to go out and kill Boba Fett. But instead, he said, maybe you should go to the sanctuary and see if you can find um, someone who actually did hire this person because it wasn't me. And he pretty much pledged his allegiance to him right then and there. Another great thing I <laughs> that I loved about the whole mayor sequence was that when he when Boba Fett came there and he was like, look, dude, I didn't give you tribute because I'm a busy motherfucker. You know, <laughs> I have shit to do. So here is my tribute. Here's some advice. Don't screw around with the people that are like here to help you or whatever. <laughs> That's not what he said uh, literally, but you know what I'm saying? Anyway, then he sends him to the sanctuary. And from there we hear the distant drumming of what's to come. Bum, 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 bum. I was very interested to see who it was going to be because they mentioned the twins and I was thinking to myself, the twins, could this be a callback to star Wars visions? There's no way they're going to do that. Could it be um, Luke and Leia? You know, I had no idea. And then of course it was the huts, which I should have assumed it was the huts because it makes sense. There's a huge family of huts. They've run this, you know, crime syndicate for the longest time. And of course they want to, you know, redeem the throne that Jabba held. And so I think the twins are his cousins, if that's what they said. I can't remember entirely, but uh, his cousins are here, the twins. I don't know if they mentioned their names or not, but that was really cool to see. And of course, something that was a minor detail that I think is worth pointing out is that they were brought in on the platform being held by their, their slaves or their workers, whatever they are. And this was like, that in itself tells this Mos Espa city that, hey, these people are important. Because if you remember, one of the things that the crowd and the people of Mos Espa didn't realize about Boba Fett was they were like, we didn't know you were royalty. We didn't know you were in charge because you weren't brought in on your little throne riser. And when the twins arrive and they come in on their riser, their platform, it tells the crowd, oh, these people are in charge. That's that's more like it because it's also the big, fat, ugly, stinking slugs, pizzas, the hut that I remember being in charge of this area. So automatically, it's like the the patrons of this town are probably going to lay their respect first 
towards the twins, the Hutt family, because that's what they're used to. And also they present themselves that way. So Boba Fett seeing that I think was really important because he, of course, has a lot of pride and personal respect for himself. And he doesn't want to ride in through town on a platform and be praised like that. He just wants to rule and be respected. But this could change perspective on that a little bit. So I think it's an interesting uh, detail that they threw in there. And of course, when they arrived, we also got the cameo. Let's talk about the cameo. Uh, first of all, this this Wookiee that came out, who is, they're calling him the gladiator, looks incredible. Oh my God, he looks so good. I was so thrilled to see this because when we heard footsteps and someone coming around the back of the throne, I was like, who in the world could this be? They're setting it up like it's somebody we know. And I want to point something out real quick. Star Wars has great revelations they really know how to do setup and then face reveal they do it all the time every every star wars project we've had has done it they really know how to build up a scene create suspense and crescendo into a reveal and there was like three big reveals in this chapter alone in chapter two which we'll we'll get into but the first one was of course bk um bk of course is a bounty hunter, at least in the comics he was. I'm not sure if they're taking direct inspiration from that or not. But anyway, uh, Black Krashnan? I, I cannot remember his name, but I think if I remember, some people refer to him as Sankey? Or is it Sandy? His nickname is one of those two, but I think they also call him BK. But Mr. Black is back in town. And of course... You know, he was from the comics, the Boba Fett comics, some of the most recent ones, not the older versions. But this is something a lot of fans were very happy about. And of course, I don't read Star Wars comics. It's not that I don't like them. It's just that I just don't read comics. <laughs> and it's also a very big investment. You know, once I start comics, which I've done in the past, I get invested and I start buying more and more and more and more. And it's a problem. But anyway, he's from the comics. It's really cool to see him live action. And this guy is going to bring the heat. Now, something interesting about his backstory that I think will play into this series is that BK also worked for Darth Vader at one point. And I think maybe in the show, they'll have some kind of mention of Darth Vader between the two, if they exchange words at some point. And It'd be really cool to see them be like, well, I worked for Darth Vader. I could beat you down, boy. And then the Boba Fett's like, well, I worked for Vader too, who were no different. Equal opponents in some uh, some respects. But it's so cool to see this. This Wookiee looks badass. And one of the great things about his appearance in this chapter was when he walked away, he looked at Boba Fett and he had these widest eyes. Like He's like, I'm so eager to destroy you. And I will destroy you. And you can't stop me. It was a very menacing look. And I don't know. It's just good to see Wookiees again. You know, Wookiees back in this universe. You know, it can't always be Chewbacca. But it was pretty great. Uh, hello to other people joining us today. Uh, Quick Draw McGraw. It is nice to see you here as well. Uh, Year Kick says that this episode was interesting to say the least. It was interesting. It's definitely a lot of setup, isn't it? A lot of setup going on. 
and quick draw says they probably used the cgi budget on the twins for this episode i could definitely see that however i still think the cgi for them was a little meh and here's the thing about the twins when they arrived i was like huts oh my god they're here i'm so happy to see a hut again i was told a few months ago over the summer that we will see huts again in the star wars television universe i didn't know there was going to be one in boba fett but I do know that there is going to be one in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And from what I was told, the one in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series is practical. It is not CGI. Now, they might infuse some CG elements with the puppet, but what I was told from people that actually worked on Obi-Wan Kenobi is that it's going to be a practical hut. It's probably not Jabba. It's probably someone else, but... We will see more huts in the future, which is really cool to see. McGraw says that there's a quick shot of a werewolf-looking creature in a bikini during the hut twin scene. There was, yeah. Uh, just like the one from the A New Hope and also from The Force Awakens in the bar scene. I would noticed that, and I thought it was kind of funny. It reminded me of the weasel from Suicide Squad. <laughs> Did anyone else get those... Uh, those reference that reference or was it just me anyway uh getting back to this episode here i'm going to play some more of this video so you guys have something to watch while we talk about it we still haven't seen the little spider creature the little monk from the trailer yet so i cannot wait to see that of course probably a little later you know one thing that was a little misleading to me was when we first were told by Robert Rodriguez about this show at least the week before it dropped he was saying that all the promotional material was only from the first episode when in fact that wasn't true so maybe he meant the first two episodes or maybe somebody misquoted him I don't know but regardless I'm, I'm still excited I, I think there's a lot I think we've only scratched the surface this show is going to be really great again I'm not getting my expectations up too high but I am very excited about it so another thing I wanted to mention was, you know, talking about his vision that he had when with the Tuscan Raiders and he was talking about or he he took the lizard, of course, and he was able to be guided towards his path or whatever they said it was meant to do. And of course, it was him walking through the desert and finding the tree in the dune sea and then picking off a branch, bringing it back. And that's how he got his staff, which I, I loved. I thought that was beautiful. And it reminded me of things like The Last Samurai. There's another great example of how this is going or uh, callbacks to other movies with the same story. Even Avatar, things like Avatar. Um, and Avatar The Last Airbender. A lot of references to like that type of storytelling as well. Basically just Japanese storytelling in general. <laughs> um, but anyway, one thing I wanted to kind of think about was, you know, what were the red eyes in the tree? A part of me thought it was going to be something dark side related, but then I also thought maybe it's like Jawa related because we did see in the Mandalorian that some Jawas have red eyes and not all of them have yellow ones, but who knows? But I think it's interesting to kind of think about, well, maybe it would be uh, potentially Jawa or dark side related, which could be interesting too. How I don't think Boba's going to use the force or anything. That's just kind of something I picked up on. But I love the, the moment with the tree and he was hunting through the Dune Sea. Speaking of Dune Sea, how many references to Dune 
did you guys pick up in this chapter of the book of Boba Fett? So many references. And it's funny because the original Star Wars is is basically it's Dune. It's Dune, uh, A New Hope. You know, we have the the people of the land, uh, the Fremen, who are essentially Tuscan raiders. And then, of course, they're moisture farmers. They rather than um, mining for spice on Tatooine, they mine for spice on Kessel. But they brought that back in as well. Uh, just tons of Dune references, which, of course, I love Dune as well. But you can definitely see all the George Lucas inspiration from from Dune. And when when they found the water pod, it really stressed me out because all these guys do all day, all the sand people do all damn day is they dig for those little water mollusks in the sand so they can have water. And then they find this giant, giant trailer filled with water, what they call it, the water car. And he just pops it open and it starts going everywhere. It starts leaking. And they're all like, yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, you're wasting so much water. No, don't put your little bucket under it. Freaking close it back up and save it. Ration the water. Uh, whatever. It was a little stressful, but I could get by it. But again, getting back to the Tuscan Raider relationship with Boba, I really love showing that he learns from them, learns their culture, earns their respects, and they also earn his. And it's about like understanding there's more to sand people than just savage people which I thought was pretty interesting. Another thing about the sand people, which I heard a lot of people talking about was a lot of people are saying that we're probably going to see what a sand person looks like under the mask for the first time. And I, I don't think that's going to happen. And to be honest with you, I, I don't want that to happen. One thing I think makes it special that we're not seeing their faces is what makes it star Wars because we don't see what's underneath. And it also looks a little wonky, which makes it kind of campy, which is, which is Star Wars. Star Wars is camp. However, one thing, I think if we saw what's underneath a Tusken Raider mask, I think a lot of us would be really disappointed because my theory is that underneath the mask is just a human face. I think the Tusken Raiders are humans. I think they are humans that have broken off from uh, evolved culture and people of the land, uh, like natives to the land. And they're just humans who have not adapted to modern city life so much that or haven't evolved that far that they have to wear the masks to be able to protect themselves. Because they used to be... one. The interesting thing about this episode was they mentioned that Tatooine used to be a rich-in-water planet. And I love that. And they mentioned how the lakes had dried up. And it just it was something that I'd never really thought about. But again, that's a callback to Dune because the Arrakis, the planet on Dune, was a thriving, rich, and environmentally sound planet. And of course, that's just calling back to, you know, George Lucas' influence for Star Wars. But I really loved hearing that from the Sand People. And again, learning their ways and seeing that they are, not, not all of them are bad. Some of them are good people. And a lot of their ways that are interpreted as being evil or savage or uh, rummagers, whatever they call them, comes from their lack of trust in the other inhabitants of this land because they 
just want to protect themselves. And it's also showing that they haven't really, it's almost reminds me of Amish people. Okay. So the Tuscan Raiders are almost the Amish group of Tatooine. You know, they have, they don't use modern day tech. They have these old school, like civil war, early 1800s uh, rifles that they use. And they don't know how to work the speeders and they just, they break crap all the time and they're, they're ways of the land and things like that. So it might be a bad comparison. I don't know, but <laughs> the Tuscan Raiders are basically the Amish of, of this, uh, this show here. So anyway, I just, I really love the Tuscan Raider stuff. I think this is the last episode we get the backstory for Boba. I, I do think it's spent a little bit too much time on it. I, lo I love the parallel structure of jumping back and forth in time, getting the backstory of Boba Fett. But one, one critique I would give actually is that maybe they just dedicate one episode to Boba Fett's past when he gets out of the Sarlacc pit. And if you took all the parts of the Tusken Raider stuff from chapter one and chapter two and put it into one episode, I think that could have been the pilot. Because it doesn't break away from that tension of him getting out of the Sarlacc pit and then learning their ways and then learning to fight, earning their respect, blah, blah, blah. I think all of that could have been one episode in itself. Maybe not the first episode. You know, it could have been this episode, chapter two. And then the first episode is all about where is Boba Fett right now? Narratively, it does make sense because, of course, Boba Fett is having flashbacks to his past life in the bath the tank where he's trying to recoup so narratively yes it makes sense however i do think all of these moments with the tuscans could have acted as one single episode but that's just me now of course when they take down the train we run into these fish boys we've got some more squid game going on uh, a whole clan of squid games i don't know what their species is called so we're just going to call them squid game <laughs> but anyway uh, one thing that I really loved about this exchange between them and Boba Fett was they were just like, are you going to kill us? And he said, only if you answer in a way I don't like. I love that. Everyone's comparing this show to like gangster life or the Sopranos and things like that. And this was definitely a gangster moment. But he instead, he gets the information he needs and then he tells them, walk that way and you can make it to town before the sun dies or sunsets. And they were like, but we don't have water. And he's like, you are now guarded by the people of the land, the Tuscan Raiders. And they'll give you water and they'll teach you how to hunt for your own water, you know, digging in the sand and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's just, again, it shows how Boba Fett's respect for the people around him and the people of this world really grew from the Tuscan Raiders. You know, I, if they hadn't have saved him from the Sarlacc pit, revived him, and taught him their ways, I think he would still be a completely different person. I think he would still be that bounty hunter we knew from the from Return of the Jedi. You know, kind of ruthless, doesn't like to play by the rules, independent, but now he's starting to work as a team. And speaking of his team, let's talk about Fennec Shand because I'm a little, you know, disappointed about the amount of Fennec we are seeing in the show. You know, she's a main character. Fennec Shand is his right-hand man. Yet she's not, she doesn't really have much to do so far. And I, I kind of <laughs> question why she's there. You know, I get it. You know, she's 
at Boba Fett's service and yada yada. And she did collect that one guy to be interrogated. But, you know, it's not the Fennec Shan that we saw from the Mandalorian who was constantly doing things, hunting people um, or even the Bad Batch, which I didn't finish. But from what I did see, she had some stuff to do there. But I really am curious as to what how Fennec Shand is going to play into this series. I want to see more from her because I'm not sure what she has to bring to the table yet. So maybe we'll see some more of Fennec Shand in the next episode. Uh, another critique, one more critique I want to mention that really annoyed me was when we were at the mayor's uh, home or his office, whatever whatever you want to call it, and. Boba Fett walks in with Fennec and with the prisoner and approaches the front desk. And there's this guy there that looks like he works at a Sonic drive-up restaurant from the 80s. But the only thing he's missing is his rollerblades and his apron. (laughs) It looks like he just didn't look the part. He didn't feel Star Wars to me. And then he started talking. And he was like, um, are you on the list? I don't, I don't see you on the list. I was like, what is this? What is going on? And then his friend, the, um, what are they called? The Twilight guy. I don't know. I'm not even sure if that's a Twilight, but his, his, that other guy who's in this picture here <laughs> came up and he also started talking and I, I didn't like him from the first episode either, but then they both started sharing a scene together and talking. And I was like, Oh God, I don't like this. And it, it made me think, you know, we see, we've seen this a lot in modern day Star Wars with Disney Star Wars. I think it is Disney's way of making an imprint on these movies. Because if you remember from the first episode of The Mandalorian, there was that blue head fish guy, right? I didn't like that character either. I thought he was out of this universe. It felt more Marvel than it did Star Wars with the comedy, with the voice, and just the way he was presented on screen, I I didn't care for. That was very Disney to me. And we're seeing that again with Boba Fett inside characters, not in main characters. But I really felt like this these two guys at the mayor's office was definitely felt out of this universe. And it was, you know, it's not a big deal. I got over it, but <laughs> I, I just wasn't a fan. It kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, again, the Tuscan Raider stuff is my favorite part of this episode when he was teaching them how to use the speeders, how to jump, how to hijack a train. It was great stuff. And, you know, I think this is the last part we'll see of Tuscan Raider bonding because I think they've done enough. I loved it. I thought it worked, but you know, there's only what four more episodes left, four more episodes left. And I still don't know what the main purpose of the show is yet. I do know, of course, it's obvious. Boba Fett is trying to lay claim to Jabba's palace and be the new ruler, be the new king of this crime syndicate organization on Tatooine. I think it is leading to a war between Boba Fett and the twins, the Huts. But an interesting factor of that is that one of the things Fennec said to Boba Fett was that you can't just kill a hut. You have to ask for permission. I don't know what that means. It's a very interesting comment because it begs the question. You know, they're obviously that powerful and that influential over this 
city of Mos Espa and maybe even more towns on Tatooine. But who does he ask permission from? From the huts themselves? Or is there a higher power above that that he has to ask from? So I don't know. Another question is, will we see Jedi in this series? I know some people have stated that we think, no, they think that we're going to see some Jedi or Sith in this show. I think if we do, it'll be for season two. And here's my theory. Mace Windu. <laughs> I know it's really far-fetched, but Mace Windu is actually, hold on one second. Mace Windu is my favorite Jedi. Look at this thing. Look at this lightsaber. It's so fucking amazing. He's my favorite Jedi. Now, I know it's far-fetched. I know it's not likely, but if we do see a Jedi, I would like it to be Mace Windu. And I think he's... Boba Fett would want revenge, obviously, for the death of his father, which we saw a little bit of in the Clone Wars series, but it would be cool to see it in live action. Um, and that's that's really it. That's that's all the notes I had on this on this um, this chapter today. Actually, I'll say one more thing. I was really sad that the Banthas died. You know, the second time it happened, I was like, "Did you guys not learn <laughs> from the first time?" But yeah, it was it was a pretty sad moment for me to see them die because they, they were they weren't doing anything. They were just ch chilling. They're just eating some sand. What do Banthas eat? What do they eat? Anyway, I'm going to head over to the comments, see what you guys are saying, and then we're going to we're going to take off for the day. Um, let's see here. Quick draw says there's just way too many different Star Wars comic series to keep up on. I agree. And that's honestly one reason why I don't read them either. However, there is one that I am interested in. I don't know if you guys watch Star Wars Rebels or not, but um, it's my favorite animated series of Star Wars. I absolutely love Rebels more than the Clone Wars. Um, but they recently just came out with a Star Wars Rebels manga series, which is each book is each season of the show. And it's beautiful artwork. Me and my girlfriend saw it at Universal City Walk the other day. And it, it looks really beautiful. I think we're going to buy it, buy the series. And I'll show some of the pictures on here. But I don't, if you guys like manga or comics or uh, graphic novels, I would check out the Star Wars Rebel series. Year Network says he looked really mean, like he's ready to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Boba. I think you're talking about BK. Yeah, he looked really mean. He looked so badass. I, I, want, I can't wait for that showdown. One of the showdowns I was looking forward to in The Mandalorian was a Beskar spear up against a Darksaber, and we got it. Now I, I can't wait to see Boba Fett versus um, Mr. Black. That's going to be amazing. Free Nose Lizard with any purchase of spice. <laughs> uh, I think I'll pass on that, but I see what you're saying. Demas is Major Domo. Major Domo. I don't think that's how you spell it, but that is the correct word that um, what Boba Fett is trying to become, the major, major domo. So thank you for correcting me. Mr. McGraw says, I think that the Tuscan tribe will come back in the last episode to help Boba. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I've been saying. I think that's been set up to happen. And I think that's what's going to ultimately be the end fight in this is the Tuscans are going to help Boba against the Huts and their clan. So totally agree with you. What's up, Cryer Speed Reviews? It's nice to see you, my friend. Uh, for those of you guys that don't know, Cryer Speed is a um, 
a YouTuber as well. Uh, does like Funko reviews on Star Wars stuff. And I think you had one come out today about the Bad Batch figures without helmets, which I haven't watched yet, but I'm looking forward to it. So it's good to see you, my friend. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Also, a comment says, yeah, the poor Banthas used as meat shields. Poor guys. I want a Bantha. I want to buy a Bantha. I think that'd be a nice pet. <laughs> uh, the awkward reviewer says, not sure if those raiders are vegan or not, but hey, at least they wouldn't be hungry that night or week. <laughs> yeah, they definitely had some Bantha meat that night. Uh, I think you can get Bantha meat at Galaxy's Edge. You can get a breakfast taco, which is just like chorizo or sausage, but you can have a Bantha burrito at Galaxy's Edge. I had one and it was really good. It's it's essentially just just chorizo. It's chorizo and egg and cheese. Just a basic breakfast burrito, but it's it's not bad. It's pretty good. Uh, by the way, if you guys haven't watched my video on Galaxy's Edge, I did a vlog with me and my girlfriend and we talked about the lightsabers we got there. Uh, it's and also footage from the Rise of the Resistance ride, which is the best ride ever. And I don't say that as a biased Star Wars fan. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I would tell you if it's bad. The Millennium Falcon ride, Smuggler's Run, is awful. Smuggler's Run is a bad ride. <laughs> it is a waste of money, in my opinion. I think it could have been a lot better. But hey, that's just me. Uh, and Nicholas Hurston, it was pretty good. I think you mean pretty good. Uh, nice to see you. I haven't seen your name before. Thanks for joining us. Well, hey guys, that's the show for today. I just wanted to come on really quickly and you know do a really brief discussion on chapter two. I, I'm going to try and go live this Sunday with a regular episode of the podcast, kind of doing a what to expect in 2022 for Star Wars projects because there's a lot actually. And some stuff that is recently coming out. And actually, we have some uh, exclusive scoops, too, on stuff that will be coming that I haven't talked about yet. But, yeah, it's going to be a good week. I can feel it. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us. Again, subscribe. Like this video, please. It helps out so much. And uh, you don't want to miss an episode. We're doing a lot of more videos here. I'm going to have a Lego one coming out soon. Obviously, I just got the Darksaber, which is in my background right now it turned off but i'm going to do a review on that and show you all the goodies that came with it and then yeah tons of more stuff to come uh check it out on spotify on apple on stitcher overcast amazon wherever the hell you listen to podcasts and um that way you can have it on the go as well but hey guys thank you so much for being here again my name is han you're watching Han Talks first. Thank you so much for all the support recently. It's been out of control. You guys are crazy. It makes me feel good. So thank you so much. But now, my friends, somehow, some way, somewhere this week, may the force be with you. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first.